What's up, Fit Fam? Today, I had the opportunity to jump on a call with a good friend of mine, Martha Smith. I have known Martha since basically right after I graduated college, so I don't even know now, probably probably been like eight years, something like that, but uh, she's really cool, uh, really awesome, has done a lot with her life, has some really good uh, perspectives, and I thought you might benefit from hearing some of her thoughts on fitness. Um, she actually is also doing a uh, one-on-one coaching service for us at the gym, some of our members. Uh, it's something that if you're interested in, you can go ahead and reach out to one of the coaches and we can let you know a little bit more about it. Uh, but go ahead, take a listen. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it and uh, we'll catch you at the end. I was running like... I was trying to run at least like 30 minutes. So I was running like a couple, a couple miles a day mm-hmm. and it actually got to a point that felt really easy. I think what's hard about running is like at first it feels like it's the worst and then, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then it, it, it uh, picks up and then all of a sudden it started actually, once it started feeling good, mm-hmm. like every morning I actually look forward to, it. I actually turn it into part of my morning rituals that I would like wake up. Um, I'd get ready. Mm-hmm. Then I would go out for a run. And so I usually I'd go park my car over at the gym and then I'd go for a run mm-hmm. uh, and then come back to the gym. And that just sort of was like a good way to start the day off. I listened to a lot of uh, like motivational people mm-hmm. on the uh, and, and stuff like that while I was running. And one time uh, I, I found this like playlist. If you look for motivation on Spotify, mm-hmm. there's a playlist and it's like really intense. What? Yeah. And so it was really, it was really cool while I was running. It started saying stuff like you will not like, you will reach your goals. And then I was like repeating in my head, I will reach my goals. Uh-huh. And then I would like say something to me and then I'd like, I'd repeat it back. And then I started running like really, really fast. That's incredible. Yeah. It was interesting. I yeah. just, um, well, no, I'm like, I've been trying to, get back into running since I had Eli. Um, Since I think I started running too early after I had him. It was like, I think postpartum, I probably shouldn't have done that. My body parts were going to fall out of me. Yeah. Um, I started and it was so slow. And then I got to a point where I felt like I was building my stamina. And then this past summer we moved, we got a dog that was insane and kind of fell off the wagon. What was, what was insane about the dog? Oh my gosh. Um, he was a black lab Pyrenees mix. So he was like 95 pounds um, okay. and just had more energy than yeah. any dog I've ever met. Like to like there were times when he was good. Like when he was good, he was the best. And he was so gentle with Eli. Like he was so good with people. Um, but he would just, we could not like, burn enough energy off of him like we gotcha. would go and i would walk him for hours a day or i'd go like throw the ball in the backyard and run around and then he would like look like he was about to like pass out he was so tired and then someone <laughs> would go up at the house and he'd be like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah um, so that was kind of stressful but even more so uh he was a stray so we don't know what his history was oh, okay um, but he had issues with other dogs, especially big dogs. And like, we live in a more rural community so that there's lots of big dogs. Yeah. 
and people would be going down the street. And one time the missionary stopped by randomly and just came to say hi. And Bowie loves anyone. So he was happy to see them. But then um, I didn't see that there was a dog coming down the street with the dog. Yeah. Bowie booked it out the door and like attacked this dog in the middle of the street. And I had to like pull this pit bull off of him. Oh, no. Who didn't do anything to him. He was just like going crazy. Yeah. So I pulled him off and bring him inside. And it was just like, it got to a point where I was so stressed out about like leaving him or anyone coming to the door. Cause I thought he was going to get out and like attack an angry dog. Um, gotcha. Yeah. It was just hard. Um, yeah. He's stressful. And he shed like all of his hair was going to fall out and I couldn't handle cleaning it up. Okay. okay. So, and so you uh, gave him to somebody else and then, <laughs> yeah. You so put I him gave... down. Did you kill the dog? No, my no. <laughs> I did not kill him. Okay, good. We re- rehomed him, and it was insane. How like it sounds awful. This sounds so terrible. But how much better I felt when he was gone. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so then after, anyway, sorry. Long story short, he left, and then I started running again. Okay. Um, and like just being able to get back into it, like. It's, it's running sucks at the beginning. Like it's so hard. Um, and I only took like a few months off, but it was really hard. And I just started like baby steps. So I was like, I'm going to run for one minute and I'm going to walk for one minute. I'm going to run for one minute and I'm going to walk for one minute. Um, and so now like today I had a run and I did, I just ran for like a half an hour and I was like, man, this feels awesome. (laughs) Right. There's, it's really, I don't know, with, with running, uh, something that I felt is that uh, we always, like, we usually choose the distance before we start running, right? So, like, you say, like, this is how far I'm going to go. And so you have, like, this thing that you have to achieve. And at first, it's really hard because that's it's often the distance, mm-hmm. sort of that goal. And then once you all of a sudden achieve that goal, right, there's something that feels a little bit more successful about, like, oh, my gosh, I just ran for this many minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it all of a sudden becomes something that's pleasurable. You forget about how much time it is. Mm-hmm. And you can just sort of let go and just, just run. And then you can start clearing your mind with it and stuff like that. Right. Well, and it's crazy. I feel like more so than any other like sport or exercise that I've done, like running is such a mental battle for me. Yeah. Um, and it's made me think like, especially getting, trying to get back into shape after having a baby, it's like fitness and health. Like it, sorry this is gonna sound a little woo-woo but like it starts in your head like fitness starts in your head and it's like this idea that oh i can actually do this like my body can do this and i can push myself because it's it's funny how like at the end of my run today like i had done some leg exercises before and i was lifting and so my legs weren't feeling great but then i see on my watch i'm like oh i only have two minutes left i can run faster like and then i start pushing it and at the end Like I try to make it a habit, which probably shows that I'm not running fast enough during the run, but I try to like run as fast as I can the last minute. Gotcha. Um, And then it's like, it feels so good because I gave it my all, but it's just like the idea that starts in your brain that says, Oh, I, I think I can do this. Like, yeah. And getting to a point where you're like, Oh, I actually, I can, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Like you get to a point in the middle where you're like, Oh, I am doing it. So it's awesome to like get to that point. Yeah, how uh, how long ago did you have Eli? Um, he is just over a year and a half now. Just over a year and a half now. Yeah. What uh, 
what sort of goals did you start setting for yourself to to get, I guess, to the point that you're at right now? Like, what were your, what was the stages of development of those goals? I think it kind of, well, it just started as like, I want to, I want to be able to move more. I, yeah. I think I was kind of like, I don't know. I felt lucky in the sense that after I had a baby, like I was really empowered. Mm-hmm. I know that it's, it's really tough on other women and they're like, oh, my body's like broken and yeah. like it's different. And for me, like going through what I did with Eli, like I, I labored for what felt like forever. And then we ended up having to have an emergency C-section. Yeah. Um, but after that, it was like, man, my body's amazing. Like I, this human was inside of me and now it's yeah. outside of me. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> well, that, that's really exciting or really interesting that, mm-hmm. uh, so you were like a college athlete, right? yeah. you were a college athlete. So you had done some, some pretty intense stuff with your body. And then yeah. you would think of all that development. You spent so many years like developing to be able to do certain things and then having mm-hmm. a baby real quick can just all of a sudden change that. And it would have been really easy to slip into the mindset of, I can't do this anymore. And yeah. rather than letting that be your focus, you were focused on, uh, my body has changed, but what an amazing thing it just did. Right. Well, and I think it was such a, it was a mental shift for me. Cause even like when I was at what I thought was like the peak of fitness as a stu- like a student athlete in college, um, there was still so much that I focused on about like how I looked and like what I wanted to look like um, and what I looked like when I was doing my sport and all this stuff. And it was in a lot of ways, like very unhealthy. And I was, I never reached a point where I felt good enough. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've worked so hard for years and years and years. I could see the benefits. Like I could see like, like fitness really made me happy. I like, I loved it. And I loved, I learned to love, love running when my whole life, I thought I hated it. Like all these different things that happened. So there's throwers throwers are not (laughs) known for being the runners on the team. Right. Wasn't the warm up just like a lap and then you're done. (laughs) Totally. I remember I like, I I think it was like my second year of college when I started to get really into running, like during the summers when we didn't have as training. And I remember the next year we were warming up for like our big BYU invitational and I was running with one of my teammates and I was like, man, I feel really good. Do you want to run a couple more laps with me? And she was like, no, I don't. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to keep running for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was like all these amazing things that like I felt like I accomplished and I did, like I, I did and I felt so good, but it was also like, I still had a lot of mental blocks and maybe like, I'm sure some men or maybe lots of men, but especially women feel that like that pressure to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and it was hard for me too. I think, cause I, I compared myself a lot to the other athletes on the team and in track and field, you have like the whole spectrum of athletes. You have like the teeniest, tiniest people who are like running a million miles yeah. and then, like, the, the biggest, strongest athletes that are also doing incredible things. It just looks very different. Yeah. Um, and so with like my body type, I was kind of in the middle somewhere. Um, but I still played that comparison game. And so it was really hard. And then when, um, after I had Eli, it was like, yeah, something in my mind just changed. And I, maybe I was able to like focus on something that was more important and to be able to see like, like I, I can take care of my body 
and I can be a good example to my family. And like, this is something that I actually just love. And I missed, I missed it after, like after being pregnant for nine months. And that was just like, boy, I did not love being pregnant. Um, But it was just like, man, I, I didn't feel like I could move. And I was sluggish all the time and heavy and just worn out. And then maybe that was part of it. It was like endorphins after a workout. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and felt so good. And I, so I just wanted to like get back into it and be like, man, this is something I really love. And then um, being able to see how much it helped me in all aspects of my life. And it wasn't anymore about like, oh, I have to look a certain way or, oh, I need to be this certain size. It was just like, no, I just want to, I want to take care of myself and feel good and be able to do the things that I love doing. And that was part of the reason too, like after college, I stopped lifting as much because something in my brain was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to lift anymore. Like I, I don't want to get stronger or bigger or whatever. And this, that's total BS. Like I, I wish I could punch myself back then and be yeah. like, you dummy. Um, cause I've recently gotten back into lifting as well. Mm-hmm. And it is so awesome. I'm like, man, why did I ever stop doing this? Because it's so I don't know, so empowering, like feeling strong again and being able to like push the weight up. Like it just feels amazing. Like right. it is very uh, cool when you're able to do that. When you're with weightlifting, we've recently started doing uh, at the gym uh, a strength only cycle where the whole class is just strength focus rather than like mm-hmm. a conditioning focus. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really cool to be able to watch people do things and start uh, developing strength as they start to PR. Uh, I think a lot of it is you see, you see yourself hit a number that you didn't know that you could do, totally. and so it's 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 almost a journey of self discovery mm-hmm. because you thought like you had labeled yourself as I am this strong, I can squat 185 pounds, or I can squat 250 pounds, and that's how you had labeled yourself, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you start breaking barriers in strength, and mm-hmm. not only does it it makes you feel like I'm stronger, but it also sort of maybe subconsciously helps you think about other aspects of your life, about what else am I, uh, what else am I labeling myself as and what else can I overcome or what can I, uh, what new things can I PR in other aspects of your life? Mm -hmm. It can be, it can be very exciting, very analogous of other things that are happening with you. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's that same thing, like kind of what I was saying before, like you start to, you start to see your body change and like your brains, your mind starts to change. Like you start to see yourself, see yourself doing, and this is what you just said, but doing what you didn't think you could do. And like, and I, yeah, there's something about it that's able to like push you. And maybe I'm like, I think I'm a little bit more aware of it where I'm at right now. Cause I can see myself a little bit more clearly than when mm. maybe I started as an athlete Um, but it's just like, you start to think like, man, if I, if I can do this, like I can do anything. And I literally had that thought in one of my workouts, it was like a tough day and I had like 30 minutes left and I was just like beat. I was like, I'm feeling this, but then I was like, no, if I can do this for 30 more minutes, like I can do anything. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I need to push through this. You have to do it. It's one, a lot of times the way we live our life in one aspect, we live it in all aspects. And so in those workouts, if I'm the type of person who does hard things and mm-hmm. gets through them and I don't give up. And so mm-hmm. that's one of those things that is you develop that habit 
in your fitness regimen, then all of a sudden in other aspects of your life, things get hard and you already know in your head, Hey, I'm not the type of person that gives up. I'm the type of person that gets through it. Yeah. Uh, super cool. Totally. What, uh, what are your, your goals right now centered around? Like if, if you've moved, try, if you've been trying and, and I think all of us, no matter as much as we say, like, it's not about looks, like there's still part of us that like subconsciously wants that, but what other aspects of, of fitness are you uh, trying to develop or grow in? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I think like when I started working out again after Eli was born, it was kind of just a goal of like, I want to, I need to start moving again um, and being able to even like walk, walk, jog, like for mm -hmm. 15 minutes, like that was like a, what felt like huge progress. Um, and like starting lifting again, it's kind of like you're in that stage where it's like, well, I'll just, I'll see how much I can lift and that'll be like a benchmark point. Yeah. But yeah, right now I'm like with the focus I have, I'm focusing mostly on, on weightlifting and on running. And so, um, with the running, it's basically, I'm, I'm just trying to get to a point where I feel like I have good stamina um, and I'm able to run longer distances. Um, not really focusing on speed right now because I'm just like, I'll just, I just got to do it. And so I have a friend uh, who wants to do a half marathon next summer. So that's one of my goals uh, is to be able to push past that. I, I ran a half marathon um, a few years back. And mm -hmm. so that's something that I, that's one that I think I'm a little nervous about because I know that I could do it before, but now it's a little bit different. Um, so being able to push back like that mental block to know that like, oh yeah, I, I can do this again and I could probably do more um, is big for me. And then with weightlifting, um, it's, yeah, it's put like just pushing down those mental barriers that I have. Um, and like with weightlifting, I haven't done it a whole lot since college. So it's been almost, yeah, five years. And like last week I deadlifted 200 pounds, which was really big for me. Um, not having done that for a long time. For a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, as far as like a, a general focus in my fitness right now, it's just, it's seeing where my limits are and it's pushing past that. Okay. Um, and seeing where I can get to. And it's like being able to have my workouts because I, I write my own little programs and I see where I start at the beginning and then see where I'm ending at the right now. I have my little six week kind of program mm -hmm. uh, where I'm at at the six week and six weeks. And then I adjust and see if I can push past that the next yeah. one. So, yeah. What, uh, so, so you're running this half marathon with a friend. Mm -hmm. Right. Is having, is having that friend that, that somebody that now is like, I have to do this. Somebody that's going to be able to hold you accountable. Is that something that is helping you in those moments when it's like, I don't want to go run. Oh, is it helping you get to have to do it? Totally. A thousand percent. <laughs> um, having someone that like you, the, your accountability partner, that person who's there. Cause you know, like in your mind, you know, that they're working for it. And it's like, I, I think part of it is like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to let them down. Like I've made a commitment. So I want to, I want to be there for them and I want to, and do what I say that I'm going to do. Um, 
but yeah, having someone who I also know, I think part of it too is like, I know that she's in it for me as well. And so it's like Mm -hmm. being able to build each other up. Like we happened to run into each other at the gym this morning when I was doing my run. And like every time we cross paths on the track, I just like, like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's so nice. I feel like being able to have someone who like they're committed to it. You're committed to it. And you like, you just know you're both there to lift each other up. Um, And so like having that is so nice and just having a goal in general, I think having something like a little bit more focused because I could have just a goal to be like, well, I'm just going to, I want to get into running shape. Um, It's a little bit vague and it's hard to, it's harder to commit to those kind of goals um, when you don't have something you're really shooting for. Yeah. Um, Or maybe I'm, there's probably other people who are better at it than I am, but (laughs) it's nice to have like, Oh no, like I've got a date, like I've got a race that I'm, I'm going to shoot for. Um, and just getting to that point, like it pushes me a lot further than if I, I didn't have like Shelby, my friend who wants to do this yeah. and didn't have the race. So yeah, totally. What, uh, so what, so having that accountability partner is like really important. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that, that a lot of people, one thing that they, they they do, um, when they're going, they, they, they go gym hopping, right? So we have people at the gym that uh, maybe have gone to one or two or three gyms when they're trying to decide, well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and start getting fit again. They don't necessarily look for, uh, they don't necessarily say, this is the first gym that I found. So that's when I went into, like I used to do that. Um, when I was trying to find a CrossFit gym, I was looking for different things. So I wanted to see, uh, uh, which one fit me best? What is it that you look for personally in like an accountability partner? What sort of quality traits? Mm. Um, I think with, yeah, an accountability partner, I mean, I think it's important to have that connection. Like you, you want to be connected to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so like whether that's you have similar personality traits or you feel the same way about that activity that you're in, or you just like being around them and talking to them. I think that's big. Like you find that you you have to have like a human connection. Um, And whether that's like in a gym, you find that with the people who are there or you just feel comfortable with the people there. Um, It's funny because my family, uh, we have done multiple like family health challenges that have fallen through. Um. I used to take it very personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of over it. Why would you change for me? <laughs> like, why? Why isn't this as important to you as it is to me? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we've done a few things uh, where like everyone's like super gung-ho about it. And then it just fizzles. Like life gets in the way. People aren't as committed to it. Or I know one time this made me so sad, but I had tried to challenge my mom to do this fitness thing with me. And, and she told me, she's like, I'm just afraid of failing. And so she kind of dropped out of it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, like, there's a lot of things that can get in the way and, and that's not to discount anyone who like, we've all had those things where we just couldn't, we didn't follow through for whatever reason. Um, but having an accountability partner, like I think what I look for is someone who I know is really in it. Um, and they're committed to it. They're in it for the long haul. Even if that's like they have days 
where it's like, oh, I feel like I can't do this. And I think that's part of it too. It's like the communication piece. When my family falls out, they all like go silent and it's like, yeah. guys, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. You need to have somebody, you need to have somebody that is present in the conversation. Oh yeah. And even if it's that conversation for a day or two is like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. You're still opening up and you're allowing yourself um, to be there and when it's hard. And so I think that's important because then, you know, the other person, the person on the other side is going to be like, like, it's okay. It's okay that today is hard, but like, we can do this. Like we've been doing it. We're going to do it and we're going to get through this because yeah. we have each other. Which is so nice because without that, the silence, that's the worst part. Because then my family doesn't talk to me for a week and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and they know, they know as soon as you talk to them that you're going to chew them out. Yeah, I'm like, come on. And they're like, oh, I just didn't, you, I thought you'd be mad. I'm like, well, no, I'm yeah. not mad because you weren't talking to me. <laughs> so you said something that I found really interesting when you were talking about um, scared of failing. Mm -hmm. right? Scared of failing. It's something that, that I've been thinking a lot about. So um, – in your in your head right mm -hmm. uh the back of your head what is it called i can't remember what it's called the scientific word is but the mm -hmm. layman's term for it is your lizard brain right? uh -huh. and so your mm -hmm. your lizard brain is the instinctual part of your brain mm -hmm. it's not uh it's not using logic and reason it is instinctually acting and one of its jobs is to help you survive and avoid pain mm -hmm. And so uh, what's really interesting about your lizard brain is that it doesn't understand context at all. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it reads, it reads things like emotions. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we set goals and then we fail at goals um, and we don't achieve them, that often can be accompanied by negative feelings. Mm -hmm. And so you, let's say, let's rate that negative feeling as far as a pain threshold. Let's say maybe we take it really hard and we rate it at a seven mm -hmm. or a six. So then what happens is next time you're going to start setting goals, your lizard brain kicks in all of a sudden and it remembers that six, that seven on the pain scale. Yeah. And so what it says is I'm going to try to do something uh, and trigger some sort of an emotional uh, feeling that will stop you from setting this goal. Because mm -hmm. if you do set this goal or goal, you might fail mm -hmm. and experience that pain again. And so it doesn't understand like, well, uh, maybe this time it's different because maybe this time you have an accountability partner and the time before you didn't, mm -hmm. or maybe it's different because you're at a different place in your life, mm -hmm. but it doesn't understand that context. All it understands is if you set a goal, you could fail. That's pain. Yeah. And so then right before you set those goals or you start these sort of a challenge or anything like that, that lizard brain maybe fills you with uh, anxiety. And that's the reason a lot of people get anxiety before they go to the gym, even if they're not really an anxious person. Mm -hmm. It's because all of a sudden their lizard brain is saying, this could happen to you. Uh, and so it's really, it's really intriguing when that happens. And what I had learned is that uh, your brain can only really trigger one emotion at a time. So it can't, you can't be experiencing uh, joy and sadness at the same time. You mm -hmm. can't be experiencing uh, humor and, uh, fear at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so the trick is to overcome it is one is you need to recognize that that's only part of your brain. So like, are you feeling anxiety? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Part of you, part of you is feeling anxiety, mm -hmm. but a part of you, like the logical side that's thinking wants to do something different. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so you have to identify that that's a separate piece. And then second, uh, when you start feeling it, so you identify and say, wow, uh, right now, why is my body feeling this? Because logically, I shouldn't feel this much anxiety in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel that. And then the second thing you start doing is you start thinking about why. And so you try to figure out what's happening. Why is my brain, uh, why is that lizard brain trying to make me feel this? What's its reasoning? Mm-hmm. And so when you start doing that, that triggers intrigue. Yeah. And that intrigue helps push away that anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a trick that I started using. And it is actually functional. I think it's a really interesting thing. I learned it from a, mm-hmm. a, a therapist guy and it's been really cool. It's been really cool to be able to use. That's so neat. Well, and that's just the other day I was, uh, I was doing some like meditating and some journaling. Um, and one of the things I wrote down was I was imagining like my best self and what that person will look like. And what are the kinds of things I do when I am like my very best self? And it seems so silly. But one of my things was um, I won't mindlessly scroll through social media, which is a bad habit that I sometimes have. Um, And it wastes so much time. And I wrote down this thing. I was just like, "I, I will not do this. And I had this twinge of of anxiety, of fear, like in my chest. In that moment. <laughs> and I yeah, was like, is... what the? <laughs> but it was like, what this, is causing that? This fear of like, I don't know if I can ever do that. Cause I've tried to like cut out social media or whatever. And it's always hard or I'll go for a little bit. And then I'll, one day I'll just be like, I'm bored. And then I'll, it's like three hours later. Um, I'm like, man, what am I doing? So it was just that, that fear that I think my brain was like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, but that that whole concept of being able to be aware of it. And then I've heard it another way too, of it's like be, having uh, curiosity about yourself mm-hmm. instead of being like, oh man, like, why is this so hard for me? Or why am I struggling with this? Why do I feel anxious? Oh, I'm so dumb. Or like, this is so silly. It's just like being aware of it and asking like, or saying like, wow, it's it's really interesting that I feel this way. Like you're just kind of curious and observant and it's much easier to then let it pass instead of like holding on to that fear and anxiety and then creating more anxiety. I feel like as people, we're really good at that. We're anxious about being anxious. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that, uh, having, having a coach is really helpful in these scenarios because sometimes when you're uh, Mm -hmm. in the thick of it, of trying to do something, Mm -hmm. you don't see everything that's happening around. So sometimes a lot of times like a coach, somebody from the outside mm-hmm. just listening and paying attention um, and communicating with you. So they have to be a good coach. They have to be a coach that's actually like trying to figure things out about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they can make a reading on what's happening and then give you insights to all of a sudden not necessarily answer that problem. Like, like a coach from the outside might not be able to tell you why you're feeling that right now. Mm-hmm. But what they can do is they can alert you to it and say, hey, yeah. right now you're feeling this. How come? Mm-hmm. And then that triggers your self-discovery. Uh, and then all of a sudden you can start getting through uh, that obstacle. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, and just like you have someone who's at a different vantage point as you. They're able to have a different perspective. And when those those feelings come up or that fear, that anxiety, I think it's it can be really important to have that person who's like, 
you know, I know you're, you're feeling this way, but that's not actually the fact. Like, that's not actually what is happening. Like you feel like you're failing, but that's not true. Like you were working through this and you're trying, so you're still succeeding. So having someone who is able to see on the outside can be very reassuring and can kind of quiet those fears that you have to see, Oh wait, that might not be real. Cause someone else sees it differently than I do. Yeah. So yeah. As, as a, as an athlete, so you've gone through a lot of different coaches. So I personally oh. have, I personally have two coaches, three coaches. I have three coaches in my life that help me with different aspects of my life mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had, all sorts of coaches. What is it that the coaches that you have most connected with, what is it about those coaches that uh, has helped you connect with them and really made them amazing coaches for you? Mm, um, oh man. I've, yeah, I had quite a few coaches in college. I ended up, so I started at a school, um, Illinois state university. I had been recruited by one coach who I really, really liked and was so excited to work with him. He ended up moving to a different school as I was coming in. Um, and the new coach that we had, I really struggled with him. I, and I think the reason being is that I, I didn't feel valued as an athlete. Um, and I felt like he did not take the time to get really difficult. And then I ended up transferring, went to BYU and um, had one coach that I, I think he was a very good coach. I, I don't know if he was a great coach for me personally. Um, I'm not sure he quite understood the things I was struggling with at the time. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I had my, my fourth college coach who came in. Um, shout out Nick Aranius. And, uh, and Nick, Nick's, Nick is, uh, did he win an Olympic medal? Um, so, oh, shoot. He was was big time, wasn't he? Right. I should know. I know, uh, Nick, I want to say he went to the Olympics and no, can't think of the year. It was, were were the Olympics in 2012? Sure. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I know that he went to the Olympics and. Unfortunately, he ended up injuring his hand when he oh, was really? there. Is that what happened? Yeah, and so he, he, honestly, I think he would have placed, um, but just yeah, had an unfortunate incident and then uh, wasn't able to. But he has competed professionally um, for Sweden because his father is Swedish. Um, he's competed for them for. I know over a decade. And so he's still, he's in getting into his later thirties and he's still a professional athlete Yeah, um, and still coaches at BYU in their throws program. Um, but he probably, um, other than also my high school coach, who was really important to me. He's one of the, the most important coaches that I had. And I think the thing that set Nick apart, um, was that he, he cared about me as a person. Like he, he wasn't just interested in the results that I was able to produce. Like he wanted to know about my life and he wanted to know how things were going. And more than anything, like he wanted me to be like a happy, productive person outside mm-hmm. of what we were doing together uh, outside of track and field. And I always felt that from him, like Nick loved me as a person. Um, and not to say, I don't think you need a coach that necessarily loves you. Like maybe yeah. that. 
that we just, we worked very closely together for four years. Um, and so that was really important. Like that, that connection I had with him that I knew, um, like no matter what happened, like Nick cared about me as, as a person and, um, and really made me feel valued in that way. And so I knew through everything that I went through, like he was there for me and he cared about me. Um, and he was able to coach me through some difficulties. Like I had a really bad injury one year and ended up having to redshirt my junior year. And man, he, he was right there. I was, I made like a really stupid mistake. I injured myself doing something dumb. Like it wasn't even sports related. Yeah. And I remember just dreading calling him because in my mind I was like, oh my gosh, I've ruined everything. Letting him down. Yeah. And so I, I called him totally expecting him to be mad at me and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm going to get teary eyed because this was, um, such a sweet thing, but I called him and, uh, and I remember telling him what had happened. I, I broke my ankle and it was really, really bad. And he was like, Oh, Martha, I'm so sorry. And I just like cried. I was so like all the feelings of disappointment in myself and expecting him to feel the same way. Like it all like just washed away. And he was just like, I'm so sorry. Like, let's get you in. We'll see how things are like, and we'll, we're going to adjust from here. And like, after, um, having like, I think maybe it was like a couple weeks, honestly, I got a new boot put on and, um, was able to go and start physical therapy and coach my coach, Nick was right there. And he was like, okay, I did a whole lot of upper body for the next couple of months. Yeah. And, uh, he was just there like ready to like reevaluate, readjust and move forward. Like he never, um, he was never disappointed or like setback from what I thought were huge setbacks. Like he just wanted to keep helping me improve. So that was something that really molded our relationship. And, uh, as like an athlete and him being a coach that it meant so much to me because he just kept believing in me and kept pushing forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was a good no. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing the the impact that coaches who who they can they can end up training I mean hundreds and hundreds or thousands of people but mm-hmm. the the opportunities that they have to influence uh, us as individuals um, mm-hmm. and make huge changes I I think it's so important to have somebody there uh, in your life that's sort of helping you through stuff somebody mm-hmm. that maybe has already been there. Or oh, yeah. has has seen a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that has experience that can direct you in the right way, but then also that can connect with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, like that that idea is what well, I got out of a lot of what you just talked to talked about with about Nick was the idea that that you knew he cared about you as an individual, not just mm-hmm. as an athlete. Yeah. Right is that he really wanted to see whatever was best for you happen, and then the athlete was just on top of that was part of it. He saw you as a whole individual, not just as uh, an athlete. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, that's and that's cool. something that's interesting. My coaching in high school was also really, um, I don't know, instrumental in like my athletic abilities. And I, his name was Joe Patrika, and. Um, he was such an interesting man. He had 
had never smoked a day in his life, but he got throat cancer and had to have his, uh, his larynx removed. Um, and so he had a very raspy, quiet voice. He had and a hole in his, in his throat, um, was really intense too. It's like people used to joke like, Oh, it's so funny. He can't yell at you. So it must not be that bad. I'm like, Oh, well he's, he can be really scary because he'll pull you up really close. Um, but I did not always feel that same connection. Like coach Patrika was pretty hard on me sometimes. And there was one year where I was, I was going to quit. Cause I just, it was just so hard. Um, and at the time, like as a, as a high school athlete, I think I had a lot of anxiety around performances and like I qualified um, to compete in state, like was highly ranked in the top five, two years in a row. And I ended up bombing both years. I got like in the high thirties as my ranking and it was just devastating and just, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. And like something, the same thing, the same quality that Nick had, um, Coach Patrika had, because he was always trying to figure out what would work for me. Um, and he didn't have the same experience. He had never been a thrower, but he was a longtime football coach, had coached state champions, and then like randomly had coached um, women or, well, it was girls, high school bowling, and had a, a state champion who bowled a perfect. <laughs> like it was. <laughs> The funniest, like his, yeah, his resume was so interesting. So like he was just, he was a very good coach and he didn't have the same experience. So he had never thrown, but like he researched and he understood the sport and he would just do anything he could um, to try to get us to where we needed to be. And so then adding on that same experience with Nick, it was nice because he had done this and been an athlete his whole life. And so, yeah, that relatability, him understanding what we were going through and how things worked. And I think sometimes there's that cool, that cool um, aspect of coaching or like even like personal training when they're like, I won't make you do anything I wouldn't do myself. Like they have been through it or they're willing to go through it. Like they have that experience and they understand what you're going to be suffering or struggling through. And yeah, there's something about that. Knowing that someone has been through what you've been through can be really helpful, I think. So, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, well, Martha, thanks so much for getting on it and talking with me. Uh, mm-hmm. Any any last words, anything you, you feel like you've left unsaid? Uh, maybe any way that people could, could reach out and connect with you? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing uh, I mentioned briefly at the beginning, I think, but how like fitness and health starts in your head. And I think that kind of went nicely through our conversation about like the lizard brain and there's lots brain. of things. like, there's so much, um, there are lots of external things I think that hold us back from, uh, trying to, get healthy or whatever the dream is like to be able to be better or do better. Um, and those external things are real. Like it's time constraints, it's family, it's work. Like there's a lot of things fine yeah. for our attention. Right. Those are not um, made up. They're actual. Yeah. They are, they are so real. Um, but ultimately when it comes down to like rubber hitting the road, like it's the things in our heads, I think that hold us back more. Like, um, it's that fear that we don't think we're actually able to do it or like maybe it's something we've never really done before. And so we can't even imagine what it would look like if we did. Um, 
And so I think those, those things, those, uh, deterrence in our minds can be so much more difficult to overcome, um, or to get over. But once we're able to do that, like you set your life up in a way where you're like, okay, like this is going to be a priority for me. You start to put things in line and, and some things start to fall away. Some things become more important, but you're able to do that. And once you're able to wrap your head around it, it's incredible what you can do. Um, and for me, like, I know personally how important having an accountability partner or having a coach is like, it is that one step that you can take, um, to push a little further is, or that's one step that just like gets you a little bit closer to help you push past that fear, push past that anxiety, get to a point where they know you can do it. And slowly, like you start to believe you can do it too. And it's just amazing. Like, I just so believe like there is nothing that you can't do if you're willing to put in the work and the time. Like people are just amazing. <laughs> like, I just think it's, it's, it's amazing what people can accomplish once they mm -hmm. set their mind to it. Um, but yeah, so um, if people want to connect with me, uh, my email is uh, Martha Shepherd 25 at gmail.com. Um, Shepherd is spelled S H E P A R D. And um, I'm also connected on, let's see, all the apps. Um, we've got Voxer and uh, there's video chat through Zoom, which is another app. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm here and, and willing and uh, ready if anyone is looking for that uh, little extra help, little extra push. Sweet. So. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Martha. Yeah, thanks, Alex. We'll talk to you later. Hey, so if you would like to uh, maybe connect a little bit more with Martha, you can reach out to her email, like she said. Uh, her Instagram handle is my.moms.wanderer. Uh, or you can talk to one of us coaches, uh, maybe find out a little bit more about the one-on-one -on -one coaching service uh, that we are now offering. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really valuable to have a coach, really valuable to have somebody that you can connect with. And Martha is really, really good at doing just that. So uh, in the meantime, stay fit, keep working hard. Uh, we'll see you around the gym.